Welcome to the Art and Science of Joy podcast. This podcast is all about inspiring people to live more joyfully. So if you're seeking a bit more joy in your own life or seeking to bring some more joy to the lives of others, then this podcast could well be for you. I'm Andrew Cannon, and I have the honour to be your host. And in this episode, I'm excited to be talking with Saul Smaldonado about the joy superpower of communication. Sue brings 25 years of experience in international communications leadership, notably in the areas of corporate and employee communications and marketing strategy and execution. Her most recent roles have been as chief of staff and chief marketing officer. Sue's passion lies in communicating and driving a company's strategic objectives, engaging all types of audiences, including global employees, clients, investors, and other stakeholders on the journey to create open and authentic cultures, fortify a brand's market present, and help companies transform. Welcome to the podcast, Sue. Thank you, Andrew. It's wonderful to be here. Lovely, lovely. So before we dive into communication, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about joy, as the, that is the theme of the, <laughs> of the podcast. So if you could share with our listeners a bit about your own life and how joy have, has not been a part of your life journey so far that would be fantastic sure well i've if you haven't already figured out by now and by my accent i'm british and i live in the uk and i work across international teams as you said in the broad area of communications i'm married with two sons and so much of my joy is rooted in my extended family life so if you ask me to contemplate where maybe joy has been an absence in my life i think it would probably mostly relate to loss of loved ones you know as I'm sure it does for many people Mm. and and I I realized that the memories that I most cherish related to how those people made me feel and they really were through what amounts to just a long series of small interactive moments and gestures Um, so I suppose that that has taught me that joy doesn't have to be the big event or the destination and these days I try and find joy and give joy in the smaller things in the here and now be it through say gratitude moments with family and friends and colleagues um and literally stopping to smell the roses that was something instilled in me by my grandmother um I would say joy has been well that's a fantastic gift that she's given you uh well she made it to a hundred Andrew so uh very wise woman I think I Fantastic. My joy has been connected to the satisfaction that I get of time well spent. I think time on something purposeful, be it impactful work initiatives or volunteer projects in my community, you know, those take a lot of optimism. Um, and meeting new people or something like this conversation with you, Andrew, always joyful. Fantastic. So there's people, there's these little moments of joy. And there's purpose, I suppose, are the three things mm-hmm. I've got from, from what you've been telling me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very much so, very much so. And when you, you know, especially when they talk about people and we talk about, um, you know, having a purpose and interacting with others to create that, obviously communication mm-hmm. becomes an important part of that. And especially, I think, when you talk about time and the value of time yeah. and how your bad communication can can give us time or steal our time. Maybe that's a good segue 
in the talking about communication and, and maybe again you could start with a personal note about how communication became and is such a big part in your in your own life sure now my well, my parents would say it started as a toddler because i would interpret my twin brother's toddler gibberish for my parents um i should probably say if he's listening um he grew up to be a very eloquent uh, public speaker but um, that was probably my first role in, in communication. Uh, at university, I studied French and linguistics. And linguistics is the study of human language in all its aspects, so including psychology and sociological aspects of language. And I found that fascinating. Um, in my youth, I traveled. I, I landed in Senegal in Africa um, to teach English. And for a couple of weeks of my time there, I stayed in a remote village where they only spoke the indigenous language Wolof and there was no tra translation apps for that. So, you know, I spent two weeks in like deep culture mm. and language shock. Um, but that immersion, Andrew, that proved to me that communication is about so much more than words. Um, those weeks of intense listening and watching for any signals that could help me understand them and mirroring what I heard and saw, I think, and subsequently the bonds that I formed, well, I mean, those were some of the most impactful of my life, I would say. So that was kind of my youth. And then, you know, my first job was at the BBC World Monitoring Service. There were linguists from all over the world pulling in global news 24-7 in every language. And communication was at its core. And, and that was probably the thrilling and most joyful workplace I've ever experienced. So wrapping up, I took a professional course in marketing and communications. And that soon became a major feature of my career. Wow, wow. From from toddler onwards, toddler onwards. That's fantastic <laughs> that you had that early life experience. <laughs> I like that. And I also like your experience in Senegal. I think, you know, I'm slightly reminded of my own experience of moving to Finland and not understanding a word mm. um, of the local language. Obviously, the advantage for me being that many people here speak good English, so it wasn't so immersive. That's right. Yours, but, that's... You know, to be in a culture... Mm. It, you have to pull, pull on all those other sort of skills around just the language itself. And that's, that's very, um, very broadening. <laughs> oh, it is definitely. And again, I'm reminded by, you know, also the time now I spend with my father who has dementia. And again, it's not necessarily the words you're saying that are communicating mm. to him, um, but the other parts of how you're communicating mm. with your the emotion and the, the gestures uh, probably yeah. more important. Gosh, I imagine that's a that's a learning experience all in itself. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but being you know able to communicate also helps in that situation. But I think understanding mm. also that communication is very much a two way process. Yeah, and you have to learn your listening skills as well as your absolutely. your talking. Yeah, and that skills patient. very much in that situation as a. Words get repeated and repeated and repeated. Yeah. Well, my best to your father. Oh, no worries. No worries. It's, it's part of life for sure. For sure. Anyway, back to communication and, and let's talk about communication skills because, you know, we've got people listening and wondering, well, this is all great. So um, yeah. how do we actually, you know, use this in our lives? And we know, mm. you know, from our own research and the research of others that good communication is foundational to having a strong mental well-being. Um, so how do you see the link between communication and joy? 
I suppose it's the, yeah. well, the big question I'm, and the specific hmm. question around how does joy and how we communicate to empower or detract from our joy or from the joy of others. Indeed, yeah. Well, good communication skills increase our ability to be understood, you know, and that leads to personal empowerment. It leads to healthy relationships and peace of mind. And positive communication, well, that allows for uplifting and harmonious human engagement, without a doubt. And all of that contributes to greater happiness, just for ourselves, but also for all of those people around us who we're communicating with. And, you know, Andrew, we don't need to be the Oprah Winfrey or the Barack Obama of conversation and communication. We can start by taking our own small steps to, to develop our skills. And even the smallest changes, we, um, they can have an immediate impact on our relationships and contribute to a much more joyous life. Um, Andrew, I want people to know that that joy that we seek is it is within our reach through communication mindsets and skill sets that we choose to develop for ourselves. Well, that's interesting, Sue. I mean, I think, you know, it's great to frame it in a way that it's not an on or off skill, right? You're either a Ooh. lousy communicator or a, a world class communicator, that there's a spectrum within mm. that. But you talk about skills we choose mm. to develop, and we're all about choosing joy. So that, that mm. aligns very well with that. Do you have sort of some examples you could give of how people can, or what yeah. skills they can develop? Absolutely. So, I mean, we can choose what we communicate, we can choose how we communicate. And we can also choose what communication we absorb. So if we're thinking about what we communicate, you know, we're so much more impactful when we can choose to express our visions and our hopes and our fears. When we're talking, these inspire people around us and they build trust and they build cooperation. Um, if we can communicate how we're feeling by showing courage or vulnerability, this builds empathy with those around us. If we can communicate what we're grateful for. And I know we've had a great topic on that. Um, showing appreciation, you know, builds connection with others and that joy. And finally, communicating what we admire, giving genuine compliments, not flattery, but genuine compliments that build self-esteem in others. You know, Andrew, this is, I find particularly powerful, uh, particularly for young people. You know, think about the best compliment you ever had. You know, just one meaningful compliment can encourage someone to take a step that changes their life. So that's what we communicate in a, probably the way I see it. Um, when we think about how we communicate, we can all choose optimism. We can choose positivity. We can choose physical expression, humor, empathy, and patience that we talked about with your father. And these are all mutually beneficial. We feel good when we use them. People feel good when they receive it. And they're highly contagious. And finally, um, we get to choose the communication that we want to absorb. And this is, I find, something that we might not always think about. We, we think about we're being communicated to, but we have those choices. Um, you know, for example, are we truly listening and watching when we're in our conversations? Are we seeking diverse information and opinions to understand more about each other? Um, are, we, are we living in echo chambers of our own making by not seeking out diverse information and opinions to understand? So are we only choosing to hear 
only those voices that agree with our worldview? And are we seeking out people who will lift us up and inspire joy in us through their own positive communication? So as you can see, none of this is difficult. They're all very easy choices. I think it's just about keeping them front of mind and understanding they are a choice. And we can add them, we can go for it all at once or we can add them one by one and just start to see the benefit that they bring us and others. Yeah, it, it does sound so simple, doesn't it, when we talk mm. about it here? Yeah. Now, like both, you know, the what do we communicate as well as the how. It's a lot of it, you know, real, really good common sense things, I suppose, we're told yeah. as children and inspired yeah. to do, and somehow we forget during the rushing around of life <laughs> we tend to get absorbed in absolutely with thousands of things and noise going on in our heads and our emotions and everything all the distractions around us that's the hardest thing remembering there are little tools within our reach um but if we practice them they come more easily yeah it reminds me of somebody um, i knew once who had a habit of putting sticky notes for themselves around their house <laughs> just to remind them of these simple things um little triggers that they mm. tend to forget during the day that they would sort of open a cupboard and find a sticky note. <laughs> Some of these things you're talking about. Absolutely. Why not? And, and, it's a wonderful way. Yeah. So, and, and just asking people you trust. Remember, hey. Yeah. Asking people you trust mm. feedback, you know, kindly. Um, that's fine. Whatever it takes. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea of, you know, especially in a family context where sometimes mm. you know, we get all absorbed in what's happening to, to take a step back to over dinner one night uh, to mm -hmm. talk about how how the communication's going and tackling any issues as you say in a, mm. in a sort of non-confrontatory manner just openness and respect and yeah. vulnerability i think would be a, a wonderful thing for us to to practice but i'm already so excited by by what you've talked about and i can see how many of these things are going to help not just me but but also many of the people in the year of joy community so thank you for sharing those and we'll make sure to list them out in a way that people yeah. can use them as tools as we explore this matter of um, communication yeah. if it's okay with you i'd like to turn our attention to talk about you know communication in in hard times or in difficult conversations, put it that way. You know, we all have them at certain moments in our lives and we've all probably had moments where we've looked back and wished we communicated in a different way. Um, so how can we, you know, get better at communicating in, in such situations? Yeah. I mean, as you say, I mean, do you ever look back on an intense conversation, Andrew, hours later and come up with just the right thing you should have said? Very often, very often, more often than I, than I should, I suppose. Yes, yeah. definitely. I'm sort of person that sometimes in the heat of the moment when the emotions mm -hmm. are running strong, sometimes sort of leap before mm -hmm. looking. Yeah. So well, and, and people, regret. Yeah. So people will either say something. Sure. They, yeah. I mean, people will either say something they wish they hadn't said or they'll just say nothing because they can't think of just the right thing to say. And I think we all do it. I think I'll have my moments of regret in the shower. <laughs> but, you know, I actually think that far too often we believe if we don't communicate perfectly in the moment, then we've missed our chance. And in fact, 
can be mm. so much more valuable, you know, to just step back and separate ourselves from the emotions in the moment that you just mentioned and reflect on what was said and what we truly want to convey. I'm not talking about having that kind of cutting remark or that smart answer. I'm talking about genuinely positive communication that adds value. And when you step back and give yourself that time, you what you would have said at the moment and what um, you have the opportunity to say with some reflection is so much better. So if we find ourselves wishing a conversation had gone differently, it's actually usually okay to go back and make it go differently. You know, we can share what we've been reflecting and just say, you know, I've been thinking about this, our previous conversation, and I believe X. You know, people do respect and appreciate that, you know, this kind of reflection and thoughtfulness is very valuable. And it's okay that it didn't happen in the moment. So give it a go, see how it works out for you. Um, yeah, and I can see that applying both in a work environment as well as in interpersonal yeah. relationships, mm. um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Thinking of other difficult conversations, I mean, what's keeping our listeners up at night? Is it the angst of avoiding those difficult conversations we need to have? You know, the ones with the colleagues or friends or family when you need them to stop or start doing something um, and it's eating you up and it's getting you frustrated mm -hmm. and you're not really having that conversation you need to have. And I know for me, that avoidance has been because I feared the conversation will hurt feelings or it will take the wrong direction and just make things worse. Um, but there's good news because there's a technique for having these conversations positively and gaining the outcomes that we desire without the drama. So when I plan to get it right, because I'm not saying I always get it right, but when I plan to get it right and I stop and I think about what I want and what I want to achieve and, and keep a relationship intact, I'm going to share with you my three steps. Would you like six steps, actually? Would you like to hear them? I certainly would. Always like a good step process. <laughs> okay, so steps. So first of all, I physically or, or mentally um, position myself as standing next to someone instead of facing them. Because that removes that opposition mindset. And, you know, side by side, we're in a place of togetherness. So that's really helpful to just get your mind in the right place before you do anything. Um, and then I begin the conversation by stepping into the other person's shoes and showing empathy. So I might acknowledge what challenges they might be experiencing or perhaps show appreciation for something they're doing. Um, but put myself in their shoes before I start thinking about me. And then step three, I would let them step into my shoes. So I would summarize maybe how a conversation landed with me or how a situation is impacting me. So I'd be talking about how something's affecting me, not what they're doing to me. Um, and then mm -hmm. I would get to the main reason for the conversation. So already there's three things that happened before I've actually started the conversation. And sometimes people go straight to number four and that's where it starts to unravel. So you need to have done your groundwork. Um, so by addressing the main reason for the conversation, this is when you have to get very specific and clear and succinct. Um, so you state very specifically what you need and the con consequences of that not happening. So these last two steps where you're talking about how you're feeling, how something's landed with you and what you need, um, they, they typically, there's no, well, when it's done well, there's no venting. There's no placing of guilt. There's no dramatic language. There's no threats. There's nothing that makes the other person feel defensive mm. or 
causes them to shut down. And then, then you ask for their commitment to try and do or to do what you're seeking. So with this approach, more often than not, because of the work that you've put in and the simplicity of it, the response is often positive. And very minimum, Andrew, it's not explosive. Um, and then at that end of that conversation, if someone has cooperated with you, you always show your appreciation for them listening. But, you know, it may not go perfectly. Sometimes it takes a couple of these conversations. But I find um, you know, stripping back a potentially charged conversation and preparing to use simplicity and empathy and clarity. You know, it's a really good recipe for a better outcome. And I've had a lot of success with it for difficult conversations. Well, that's fantastic. I, I love the step approach, I think, especially, you know, taking the time to do those first three steps before you jump in mm. to number four can definitely lead to a much better outcome than than that jumping in and just, you know, the, getting the emotions tied into it and sort of getting yeah. straight to the to the beef, so to speak, without the preparation, without developing the understanding. And I think, what do you think about writing things down sort of mm, to yeah. almost planning this out, sort of thinking well, this through? Does that help, do you think, or is it? You know what I've done plenty of times? I've, you know, drafted an email. I, I, I never put anyone in the to section. And I've got it out of my system. I've done my, I suppose, my personal venting, and then I've deleted it. You know, because you never want to send or communicate mm. your venting. Um, because it. You don't feel you think you're going to feel better, but you don't feel better. You feel foolish afterwards and no one feels better. And but writing something down gets all of that emotion out. And then that way. And this is why it's important that if this is a conversation that's important enough that you care that it goes well, then it's then you do the prep. You know, it sounds it sounds maybe false, but it's not. It's about caring enough to put that effort in to make sure that you're using your best skills. Um, so getting things written down. And, and, and if you need that guidance for yourself, you can still put those notes down of your six steps. That's absolutely fine. Um, do what you need to do to make sure that the conversation you're having is not triggering a whole new set of emotions with the other person or with yourself. Yeah, I think this is super important, especially in a relationship where one of the two people is a much better communicator naturally yeah. than the other person. Mm. And the person mm. who's not such a good communicator mm. can feel disadvantaged in such situations, yeah. which could actually lead them to a lack of communication, right? It could lead them to a shutting down, shutting mm. up, um, mm. rather than expressing themselves just because they yeah. feel they can't compete if they see it as a competition, you know, to who can... Mm get their opinion across or who can communicate the best. So what's your thought on this lack of communication? As lack, a, as a yeah, well, lack of a communication, in my view, doesn't actually exist because here's the thing, not communicating is communicating something. You know, whether we like it or not, Andrew, people will interpret our silence. And this is what we often forget. So, you know, we know our reasons for putting off communicating. Perhaps we're too busy. We don't have the whole story to tell yet. But perhaps you don't want to upset someone with bad news. Or maybe half the time we just assume people already know. But meanwhile, people apply their own reasons for your lack of communication. And the first reason will be that you just don't care enough to communicate. Um, sometimes all we need to do is ask this question. So in the workplace, for example, you know, an absence of 
regular leadership communication and interaction. It will typically it'll communicate a lack of leadership ability, quite frankly, a lack of decisiveness, a lack of purpose and direction and belief in what the company is trying to do. People fill the gaps and they'll create their own stories about what's going on in the company. So, and you know, those key elements of happiness in the workplace, when they break down, for example, trust, engagement, motivation and performance are all impacted by people not communicating and leaders not communicating. And not far behind that will be the loss of brand equity and profit, always. It's never an option not communicating. Don't confuse it with, you know, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And it's not about always doing the talking, but it's about connecting, reaching out, asking questions and establishing what people you think people know or what they don't know and testing how people are feeling. You do that by asking the questions, but um, you're always communicating something. You might as well control it. Yeah, I love that wisdom, Sue. I love that wisdom of... That's right. I love that wisdom of you saying that, you know, if we're thinking that not communicating is an option, it isn't really an option. It's that you know, the silence is communicating something and people are just filling the blanks, as you say, and they're making their own assumptions of of what you're thinking and why you're thinking and what you're going to do and what's that impact going to be on them. And more often than not, that has a more negative impact, I find, both in personal life, but especially mm-hmm. in business, when you're thinking about leadership and communicating change, for example. Yeah. You know, the lack of communication often leads, for example, to your best people leaving mm-hmm. right? because they're, they're sort of looking at the uncertainty and not trusting that their future yeah. is going to be secure in this lack of communication. So mm-hmm. they're going to be the first ones to, to leave and find a new job. Absolutely. And and no one ever says, particularly in the workplace, that there wasn't enough communication. Um, It's very rarely a complaint. People can choose not to listen, but um, they'll certainly complain if they don't feel they have the choice to hear. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, yes, we can communicate. And again, we go back to how you communicate and what you communicate. So these two things that you've talked about today are so greatly interrelated. So if we make the the decision that communication is is a must and it's also a path to joy, then, you know, we're in a mode where we're thinking about, okay, well, when do we communicate? How do we communicate? Uh, what do we communicate and you've given us some wonderful tools mm. today Sue to, to help us do that so many so many indeed and I'd love you if you can to, to think about all these tips and tools you've given us today and, mm. and just boil it down to three that you would say is your your top three mm. tips for communicating better yeah and this is hard because I you know probably got 50 but um three that I think you know and they're going to sound really obvious Um, But again, it's back to that point of how often are we consciously applying them in communications? Um, And I think the number one is to adopt positive language. Um, Choose words that convey optimism, respect and encouragement. Um, You know, and I'm really going to underscore respect. You know, you give respect, you get respect. Um, Number two, listen actively. This is the hardest one. You know, when we're excited or agitated, 
it can be the most difficult thing to do with the best of intentions. And so it really helps to calm your mind in preparation to give your full attention to the person speaking. You know, and then to reflect back, show them that you've heard them. And you've done a beautiful job of that today, Andrew. Congratulations. And number three, I would say hone in on the body language. You know, that's the facial expressions, the posture, the gestures, the micro gestures that reinforce or betray how we really feel. So if we watch closely for those signals to see when they're not in line with what someone is saying, it's a really great way of checking in um, to go a bit deeper with someone. Um, you know, in our industry market research, many maybe people on this call have also participated in focus groups. A good moderator will dig deeper and watch people's body languages and understand, are they really saying everything that they mean? Um, and encouraging people to be more forthcoming. It's a really great skill to have. Um, and also trying to be self-aware of how you might be coming across through those subconscious signals that we are all sending always, all the time. So that's my three. And, and hey, you know, the more we practice these skills, as I've said, the more it becomes second nature um, and the more we're encouraged by those positive outcomes that we're having and then the greater impact on our personal joy. Love it, Sue. I love it, Sue. Thank you so much for, for sharing the, those three tips. I know you had many more, but those are three <laughs> we're going to focus on in sure. the coming weeks in the in the year of joy and seeing how we can mm. help people develop those and become a little bit better at communicating tomorrow than we are today then we're on the right path mm. absolutely so unfortunately we could talk forever on this subject so i'm sure but unfortunately yeah. time is ticking and we need to let our good people go on and start communicating in their own lives <laughs> not just listen to us doing it but before i let you go um, I'd just like to ask you a question I ask all our guests, which is, what brings you joy, Sue? Mm, many things. You know, I love great stories told through film or drama, or even in the world of marketing. Love it. I love my social networks. And no, I don't mean Facebook or X. I mean my people around me. Um, but if I want instant joy, and there's no one around for a hug, then it's music. You know, <laughs> I'll admit to owning kitchen disco playlist um now coincidentally or perhaps not at the top of that list is one of my favorite songs and it's titled joy by connor reeves maybe so maybe check it out definitely check it out and i can definitely um, <laughs> agree with you on the, the joy that music brings um for sure for sure well thank you sue so so much it's been a real pleasure and a joy chatting with you today Oh, thank you. I mean, you know, and thank you to this wonderful community of people actively taking control of their joy. I hope that something of what I've shared leads you to joy. And Andrew, you know, I really would love to acknowledge um, to you and Debbie and the team for the exceptional work that the Year of Joy um, program has been doing here with personal empowerment. Um, so have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you, Sue. And thank you so much, Sue, for the role you played at the beginning in helping us with our communications. That was the most wonderful gift that you gave us a year ago when we were starting up the community. My pleasure. And again, I would like to reiterate Sue's words and, and thank you, our listeners, for listening today, for making that choice 
to spend your time with us and I hope you feel inspired by Sue to go out and improve your communication skills over the coming days and weeks. If you are not, however, a member of the Joy community, we encourage you to visit our website, theartandscienceofjoy.com, and find out more about how to join this great community. And thanks once again for listening, and I hope you tune in for the next episode of the Art and Science of Joy podcast. Until then, stay well, stay joyful, and communicate with joy. <laughs>